What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Sports Media Watch podcast. This is John Lewis along with Drew Lerner. Today we're going to be talking about all the things that have been going on in the industry the past week, and we'll start with the big changes at ESPN. First, we'll start with the news that broke Tuesday, which is the day we're taping Sage Steele leaving ESPN, settling her lawsuit, and uh, moving on. This was an inevitability, obviously, the moment that uh, ESPN punished Sage for that podcast she did a couple of years ago. It's pretty obvious this is where it was heading. Um, Sage obviously has her views and a lot of people don't agree with her views, but, uh, at the same time, the reality of the matter is that ESPN kind of demanding that its employees never speak out on social issues. Well, good luck with that. Uh, I'm probably one of the only people to draw this parallel, but what happened with Sage is exactly what happened with Jamel Hill. Jamel Hill said things that a lot of people agree with. And a lot of people disagree with, and she said them not in her capacity as a sports center anchor, but as a private citizen with a Twitter account. ESPN decided to, you know, basically torpedo her tenure there. I mean, obviously Trump pressured them tremendously, but, you know, ESPN punished her and, and drove her out. And uh, the only thing I can think is it's too bad Jamel didn't sue like Sage did, because I think she would have had a good argument. A lot of people are missing with what Sage did. You know, Sage is bringing up freedom of speech and and everyone's saying, hey, private companies, that doesn't apply to private companies. In Connecticut, it does. That's why Sage Seal sued ESPN in Connecticut, where they have this kind of strange, you know, policy where you can sue your employer if they are punishing you for exercising your First Amendment rights, which leads me to believe that a lot of other ESPN employees should have been doing this first. And whatever you may think of Sage, if you're asking me, who am I going to side with, an ESPN employee or ESPN management, uh, I don't care how conservative you are, I'm going to side with the ESPN employee. So that's that's kind of my perspective on that. And uh, like I said, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if this sets a precedent for the next ESPN or to uh, run afoul of management for something they said in their own time. Uh, and uh, who knows who that might be down the line. 
Uh, Drew, I'll go ahead and bring you in. That's an interesting uh, take there, John, comparing it to Jamel Hill. I, I do think, um, and this has always been an issue with ESPN, right? When an employee gets outspoken one way or the other, right or left, because there's always been a mantra, some sort of mantra of stick to sports, mm-hmm. at least from the top down at times, especially in the Pataro era. Um, since Skipper's been gone, it's it's very much been a stick to sports. But as we know, sports inevitably crosses over with politics and culture. And there's times where, um, you know, it, it's necessary to discuss those things on the air. Uh, obviously, this is not kind of related to the, the Sage Steel conversation. It's a little bit different. It's such a gray area, right, where where Sage is. Um, and it's it's really hard to kind of discuss her case without kind of acknowledging that this is a genuinely held belief for her. And I think there's probably many people at ESPN that held similar beliefs, you know, maybe not as outspoken. And, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people that felt similarly opposite of what Sage Steele thought. But I guess to try to get to my point is it's really hard to police what you're your employees are going to say outside of their capacity as uh, you know a front-facing anchor or you know any any type of employee when it comes down to well how much does espn own you does espn own you whenever you're in any capacity of an interview because let's be real stephen a smith can talk about politics all he wants and stephen a often talks about politics that are not that dissimilar than sage steals i mean as conservative as sage is i don't think he's been on hannity yet I know Stephen A. Smith has been on Hannity a few times. Uh, and the reality of the matter is, Sage may not identify as a Black woman. I know she identifies as biracial, but Sage is a Black woman, just like Jamel Hill. And have you noticed that Stephen A. Smith can talk about politics all he wants, and Mark Jones can tweet about things all he wants and irritate the outkick people all he wants, and Jamel Hill and Sage Steele are the ones that got punished? No one will ever draw that parallel because I'm quite sure that neither Jamel nor Sage would draw that parallel for themselves. But I've always seen those those two situations as being very similar. And again, it's two outspoken Black women in ESPN kind of just not being able to deal with that, no matter what their politics are. Yeah, and you know, it, I think it also depends on how high profile are you at ESPN. If Sage Steele was hosting First Take, this wouldn't be an issue. But Sage Steele's hosting the Noon Sports Center. Right. right. And and that's a highly replaceable job. And it was reported, I don't know if this is confirmed, that she made in the neighborhood of three million dollars annually at ESPN. That for, she would have been laid off no matter what. Like exactly. if, not happen, if that was her salary, holy cow. I hope they weren't paying sports center anchors three million dollars a year. That'd be, yeah. that'd be uh, ridiculous. I, I'm pretty sure. Like uh, like I, I mean I maybe Scott Van Pelt. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Well, you, you have to remember Sage Steele is probably one of the longest tenured sports center anchors yes, left right. there, right? Even so, before Hannah Storm. So given her coded uh, response to stepping down or mutually mm-hmm. agreeing to part ways with um, ESPN, I think it's clear where her career is headed. I hope and not. Man, I, I just, I really hope, she, I mean, it'll be, man, first of all, you go to OutKick, you might as well 
be deciding you're never going to be seen by half of the sports fans in this country ever again, because that, you know, there, there's no, there's no credibility that they have with anyone who is not a conservative. So you're sacrificing any ability to exist in the mainstream sports space again. Um, they obviously have a big, you know, fan base or whatever, but I'm just saying if you, it, the, the kind of platform you have at ESPN where everyone watches you versus the kind of platform you have where only people who hate Megan Rapino are watching you, it's different. And she does have talent. And, you know, one, you know, I, I don't think we want a sports industry where all the conservatives are going to outkick because there's a lot of conservatives in this industry. A lot of them have talent too. A lot of them are people you like. You just don't know they're conservative yet, right? Or people like Al Michaels, where everyone just kind of ignores it. It's like, okay, I'm just going to pretend that Al has the politics I like because I like his calls on games. And I don't know. I, I, I don't want to be in a situation where every single conservative-minded person is going to these extreme places and you know becoming an ideologue when it doesn't have to happen that way. I, I mean, I think it's just you know it's representative of where we are as a country. Yeah. Right? Um, and it's sad that you know such stark polarization has seeped its way into sports and sports media. But I mean, I don't think you can really control it, right? Media, yeah. media is such like an amorphous thing. And if you're a person that buys into that type of narrative about society and the world, you don't probably see it as oh, I'm going to outkick, I'm limiting the audience that I'm speaking to, right? You probably right. see it as something, you know, valiant, right? That yeah. that you're going to a place that honors free speech and, you know, you can speak your mind. In reality, of course, we know that this is, you know, an outlet that is, you know, catered to one very specific uh, right. audience. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can be yourself, but you're being yourself in a bubble. Uh, and I, I just don't think that there's a lot of value to that. To me, I think it's a lot healthier when, uh, one, if you don't like OutKick and you don't want them to be more empowered, you probably shouldn't want them to be getting really talented people who happen to have conservative views because they feel like they can't be at ESPN. You want to starve them out. Now, look, they get a guy like, uh, who's that guy, that college basketball guy? You know, Dan Dockage. Yeah, they get, and who cares really if they get Dan Dockage? I'm just saying, Sage Seal's a really talented person, and it would be good if he stayed in the mainstream. Same with Tafoya. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Speaking of ESPN and Sage Steel, one of her old jobs there, NBA Countdown, this will be the sixth different host in eight years. So Sage was a host uh, at the start of the 2016 17 season. And she had been doing it for a few years. That year, they decided, well, Sage will keep doing it, but we'll bring in Michelle Beadle to do the Wednesdays and Fridays. And then halfway through the season, they were like, you know what? We'll just have Michelle do the whole thing. And Beadle was good, right? Sage is a very solid host. Beadle gave the show a little bit more life, a little bit more flavor. I would argue probably their best host since Stuart Scott. That's not saying a whole heck of a lot, considering who's been hosting over that period of time, but probably their best host since Stuart did it for three years. But Beatle, an outspoken woman, is that ESPN trend again, you know, rubbed a few people the wrong way, but see you later. They make the horrendous mistake of giving that job to both Maria Taylor and Rachel Nichols for no reason at all. That implodes. They both are gone. 
they bring in Greenberg and, uh, you know, I, I guess Greenberg was supposed to be the guy to, to stabilize the show, but boy, this was a mockery, wasn't it? What was it? He said, uh, that, uh, the Knicks were playing badly because it was too hot in Miami. I mean, this guy, I mean, this was a, a complete farce having Greenberg there. All of that leads now to Malika Andrews, uh, at a mere 28 years old, being asked to become a miracle worker and turn one of the worst sports pregame shows of all time into something passable. So we'll see. I don't think she has it in her because I don't think Bob Costas in his prime could save this program, but they'll give her the chance. Uh, I was on the call uh, Monday that ESPN did. Dave Roberts, very adamant that Malika Andrews will be there for 10 years uh, long after he's retired. Do I think Malika Andrews will make it 10 years at ESPN? It would be certainly bucking the trend, wouldn't it? Nobody has lasted more than three seasons on this show since Stuart Scott. Stuart started in 2007, 08, then 08, 09, 09, 10, 10, 11. And that's only four years. Now, obviously, we know why Stuart didn't continue. He was sick. Uh, had Stuart not gotten sick, he'd probably still be hosting that show. To that extent, I will give ESPN a bit of a break, right? Now, Having said that, this is ridiculous. Six hosts in eight years is, is an absurdity. I don't really know what else to say other than that. It, it, it's absurd. It's a disservice to the NBA. It's another reason why ESPN is not a good partner for the NBA, because this is the, the, this, this is the team that hosts the NBA Finals. And when you contrast it to Ernie Johnson being there for 30 years, one of the things that Dave Roberts said in the call yesterday was that TNT and ESPN are doing two different things. ESPN is doing hours and hours and hours of programming, and TNT is just once a week. Well, that's not really true, because TNT and NBA TV are under the same umbrella, and Turner is pumping out more NBA studio content because of NBA TV. Ultimately, I don't think that's a good enough excuse for what has been going on over there. I think it's ESPN mismanagement. I think it's ESPN having a lot of cooks and very few chefs. The, the fascinating thing to me about NBA Countdown is individually, the talents are all very good, and I like them all. You know, Malika Andrews has been a rising star there for several years now, has proven herself worthy of getting a job such as this, especially in the absence of any you know, desirable host there in the first place. But then, of course, you have Stephen A., who we know is an incredible talent. Will Bond, who, you know, you, you might not like him as a, you know, studio analyst, but you at least have to respect his body of work, right? And then Bob Myers, who's taking the Jalen Rose spot, which I think is a big upgrade. I think individually, those are all people that make sense. You have two big names, and then you have Bob Myers, who really has a lot of industry experience, and then Malika to guide the ship. The issue is they they don't perform to the sum of their parts, right? And I don't know if that's just format, if the show just doesn't get enough room to breathe, if there's too many commercials. Obviously, it's not inside the NBA where you, you're getting these long-form conversations. That's just not what ESPN does. I think the addition of Myers will be interesting because if he is actually able to drive some more substance into their studio shows, I think it could improve. But at the end of the day, you know, ESPN's handcuffed by the format here. 
I would like to see this cast of characters kind of perform up to their standards and and they just haven't yet. ESPN's been bad at this from the jump when it comes to the studio. All the way, they had Tim Hardaway there that first year and Tim was so green, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, they had to replace him in January, their first year, they had to replace your lead studio analyst with Greg Anthony, which was a great addition, of course. Uh, you know, they've been they've been bad at it the whole time. Maybe it'll change this year. I definitely agree with you that Bob Myers is a big upgrade over Jalen. Jalen has not been good since Michelle Beadle left. I mean, he just, you know, he he has not been. I don't know what what happened, but I mean, you know what happened? He ran his course. I mean, by the time Beadle left, he'd been there for what, five, six years? So decent, a decently long time if you're not working for Turner. Uh, so Bob Myers will be an improvement. Do I think Stephen A and Malika will work together well? Didn't Malika and Stephen A clash at one point? I really don't know. You, it sounds like you know more about that than me. If, if you know they were avoiding each other on the Wednesday and uh, yeah, they they, they had a little clash. And you know that's another one of the reasons why I don't see Malika Andrews lasting ten more years at ESPN. Again, she's outspoken enough to have clashed with Stephen A. Smith on the air, like when they had uh, over over Ime Udoka. You know, ESPN's not a place where you are allowed to, uh, you know, to show up Stephen A. Smith. So that's another reason why I'm, 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 I'm not buying that ten years thing. Look, the reality is, I, I don't, I don't see it being dramatically better. Although, just getting rid of Greenberg is an improvement. Just getting rid of Stephen, uh, just getting rid of Jalen Rose is an improvement. Uh, and uh, so it'll be improved. It'll be improved. I should admit that it will be improved. All right, John. Let's move to. One final quick topic here, and that's the NBA in-season tournament schedule. Uh, The schedule got released today. You know, I don't know if I have too much to say about the groups, but I will say we are talking about the NBA in the middle of August, right? We're two weeks out from uh, football season really starting up. If anything, this schedule release is a success just by the metric that we are even discussing it. Yeah, but at this point, everyone is so desperate for clicks and page views that everything gets discussed. Everything. The slam ball schedule got discussed. Does that really even matter now? You know, the, oh, people are talking about it. People talk about everything. So I don't think that's necessarily that big of a success. Uh, I mean, as a, with a podcast with such a wide listenership like this mm-hmm. one, um, I, I think us even get, shining any sort of light on the yeah. in-season tournament is a success for the NBA. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about what this is here. You know, these are regular season games that the NBA is dressing up to make interesting. They're not going to be any different than other regular season games. I'll grant that when you get to the semis and the final and you're in a neutral site, that could be pretty interesting. But you're not going to make people excited about Minnesota versus San Antonio on November 10th. Uh, let me use a let me use a better example because that does involve Wemby. That very night, Hornets Wizards in the in-season tournament. What an exciting matchup! You know, I mean, look, uh, this industry is 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 staring down a cold winter of uh, the next twenty or so years. Anything that you can do to try to make this new in some way is something you're going to have to do because. You know, Gen Z isn't showing up, and the generation after that will definitely not show up. But I mean, the median ages for all these sporting events are 60 plus already. 
you know, and, and at a certain point, this is going to be like a diagnosis murder on PAX starring the great Dick Van Dyke. And we know what the audience is, right? And it's, it's an audience that is an older audience. Soon it'll be like cable news. They'll have to be selling on 25 to 54, not 18 to 49. All of this stuff, whether you're talking about the Nickelodeon NFL games, you're talking about, you know, uh, the baseball game at the Field of Dreams. It's all just uh, grab, trying to grab onto a bird while you're in mid-free fall. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can look at it in an incredibly negative light. Uh, I mean, of course, <laughs> of course, they're trying to drum up interest. They're trying to, you know, ma manufacture excitement when it probably isn't or shouldn't be there. But I mean, hey, if it works even a little bit, yeah. why not? You know, I'm not going to be paying attention to the NBA at that time of year, but maybe, you know, maybe I'll tune in for the finals or the semifinals yeah. of the in-season tournament. And that's more than I could say last year about my NBA viewership in the months of November and December, uh, independent of Christmas Day, of course. But that's the thing, you know, those November, December games don't do nearly as badly as people think. They really don't. The, the dog days of the NBA season and viewership are March. November and December, the season is still fresh enough and new enough. And you're talking about Tuesdays and Fridays. You're not going up against the NFL. You got early season matchups. It's not like the ABC games or anything, but you know the NBA does pretty okay in 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 that time of year. So the media doesn't care about the NBA in those months, but people are still tuning in, and uh, maybe this will improve the viewership even more. But I think really all you're looking at for this in terms of a viewership play is the semifinals and finals. John, pretty slow week, uh, all yeah. things considered. You know, we, we covered a couple of the big topics last week, ESPN Sportsbook and um, and the Pac-12 and conference realignment more generally. I would just say one more programming note would be the NFL's decision to bring NFL Network direct to consumer as well as Red Zone in the NFL Plus package. Give us any comments you have on that and then close this out. Well, it, it's what you have to do because one one of the things that, people in this industry are realizing is that folks are not going to pay an enormous cable bill or an enormous streaming bill to watch one channel. Now they might pay for that one channel, but you know, I'm not going to sign up for, you know, some massive cable service just to get NFL network if I don't have to. Now I might do that, me, you know, because I cover sports for a living, but the average viewer is, is, it doesn't have to watch these games. And of course, for the NFL, it's just NFL Network. So, I mean, realistically, what am I missing? A couple of Saturday games, you know? So, yeah, it makes sense. I will say Red Zone was already directed subscriber on phones. A lot of people have missed this in the reporting. It was already directed subscriber on phones. I know because I bought Red Zone on the phone, and it was a waste of money. It's on a phone. You know, I couldn't even use it on a tablet. I thought I could use it on a nice big tablet. Nope, just phones. Uh, but um, yeah, I think this is the future. If you're not doing direct-to-subscriber, you know, Fox can talk all they want about the bundle, you know, blah, 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 blah. Good luck. Because uh, in short order, you're going to be in fewer than 60 million homes uh, sooner than you think. Uh, another week down, many more to go, presumably anyway. And uh, we will see you back around uh, soon enough. Thanks for listening.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.